So Lord God, we come now before you thanking you for your presence. Thanking you for your word. Thanking you, Father God, that you've given us the power not to be ashamed of the gospel. Because in that, we have everlasting life. So, Father God, we pray now that you would strengthen those that have come to hear a word on today. Somebody needs to hear from you. So we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you, Father God, for those who are even watching us online, that you would touch us here and wherever your power reaches. For we know that there is no place that your love or power cannot reach. So we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Father God, for those that have come here today to hear a word from you. We ask that you touch someone, that you bless someone, that someone be lifted. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord another praise on this morning. And you may be seated. Amen. Praise for his word. Let us go to the word. Amen. Please turn with me to Acts chapter 20, verse 7, where it reads, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embracing him, said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. Now when he had come up, had broken bread and eaten, and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive. And they were not a little comforted. Now this text stands to me as one of the more oddly interesting accounts of the early church. It's always seemed kind of out of place kind of just put in there in the middle of what was going on in Paul's ministry. The author, Luke, however, thought it was important enough to include in the Acts of the Apostles, so here we are. 
Now, at this point, it hasn't been a very long time since Paul had his experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he has been preaching, spreading the gospel, encouraging believers, and performing miracles and healing people throughout the regions of Antioch and Thessalonica and Syria and many other towns and ports throughout the Mediterranean. He's had many ups and downs in his time in ministry. He's seen many people find new life in Christ. He's seen people healed and many other miracles. He's, he's also been beaten, imprisoned, and threatened with death and targeted for preaching the gospel while touching and ministering to God's people. Whereas in his earlier, earlier life, he would travel to cities and towns and countrysides looking for believers to arrest and persecute, he now travels to those same cities, towns, and countrysides preaching the same gospel that he used to persecute. He would never stay in one place for too long because it would become unsafe or he would be urged by the Holy Spirit to go to another area to preach and encourage those who would soon come to believe in Christ crucified and resurrected. <clears throat> well, after surviving a riot in the city of Ephesus and then going to the city of Macedonia, Paul and some other brothers in ministry stayed there in Greece for a few months. There was Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, and there was Gaius from Derby, and Timothy and Tychicus and Tropimus, Tropimus, those names. And Timothy, Tychicus, and Tropimus were from Asia. But these were the men who sometimes traveled with him. Paul sent the brothers in the faith ahead to prepare for a journey to a city called Assos while he and Luke made a stop in the city of Philippi to encourage some of the believers in that city before meeting the brothers in Troas. They would then all travel together to their destination. So when Paul made it to the city of Troas, he had planned on staying there for one night before he and the rest of the crew went on to the city of Assos. The believers in Troas were naturally very excited to see Paul, and they wanted to hear all about his travels and how God was doing great things wherever he and the others traveled. So on the evening before he left, after being there not even a whole day, Paul was spending time with the believers in Troas. It was just before sunset, and they were all in the third story of this apartment building in a crowded part of the city. It wasn't the apartment of a rich person because the more expensive apartments during that time were on the lower floors, the bottom floors, just in case there was a fire in the building and the occupants needed to get out fast. Nowadays, the more expensive apartments are up high. But back then, the more expensive apartments were down low because they needed to get out <laughs> fast. 
So there they were, all on the third floor of this apartment. The place was full and lit by many lamps and candles. No air conditioning. Stuffy and hot. Since the majority of them were slaves and or servants, it is certain that they were all tired from working all day, but they were excited to hear Paul talk about how all of them were sons and daughters of God and how they all had equal standing before their heavenly father. Paul, in his excitement and desire to encourage the believers in attendance, spoke from just before sunset all the way until midnight, probably for more than five hours. Now, I don't know if I would have been able to sit through a five-hour sermon. I'm sorry. I don't care how good somebody up here preaches. I just don't think y'all are going to sit through a five-hour sermon, especially on a hot, crowded, in a hot, crowded, candlelit room at midnight. Somebody right here is wondering why it's so hot in here right now, and it's the morning. Five hours? Well, I think for the most part that we underestimate how easy it is to fall asleep when you don't mean to. I know that I'm not the only one in here that has gone to the movies for, or a play at the end of a long day, especially as I've gotten older and been working for a living. And as soon as the lights go down in the theater, I blinked and missed most of the show. Or how many of us have sat on the couch after a hard day of work and a hot dinner with plans on watching some TV and the TV ends up watching us? Some of us can make it past that and we are experts at staying awake and doing exactly what it is we have to do until we get to church. As soon as the music stops and they sit down and get comfortable, off they go. It's almost like a talent, a superpower. Well, at the Church of God in Christ National Convention, sometimes the sessions of the General Assembly will run very long. And, of course, some of the saints may start drifting off and falling asleep during the proceedings which probably isn't the smartest thing to do in the age of the cell phone camera. When you're at the general session, you have to try and be careful to and try as hard as you can to stay awake because if you didn't, there was a solid chance that if you fell asleep, you were gonna get caught by what we later came to dub the sleep cam. <laughs> there was a whole Facebook page dedicated to showing videos of people falling asleep in service. I think they called it Sleeping Saints. <laughs> Never found out whose page it was, and we still don't know who was shooting the videos. 
But they would catch dozens of people on camera nodding and catching themselves. They'd be... Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise. Preach. Preach. <laughs> it would be one of the funniest things that you would ever see if you were not one of the people that got caught sleeping. You know, that's also a warning to stay awake while here at West Angeles in service as well because you never know if the sleep cam will come out of retirement. Somebody over there, I just saw them wake up. Hey, man, they wide awake right now. <laughs> but falling asleep can be a very funny thing if you don't mean to fall asleep sometimes. On the other hand, once when I was in school, maybe 22 years old, if I remember correctly, I was in my senior year at Oral Roberts University. I was still getting used to the independence of having lots of friends and hanging out and driving here and there, just loving life. Well, one night, after hanging out very late with the guys and the girls and dropping some friends off, I was driving back to my apartment, which wasn't too far from where I was hanging out, but it was a little bit of a drive. As I was driving, I was looking down the highway, I remember looking off in the distance and seeing that the sun was about to come up. I had been up all night. I remember following a, a wide turn on the highway and looking far ahead on this two-way stretch that was kind of, you know, seeing the highway kind of divide with a cement median in the middle of it, this lane coming this way and this lane coming that way, and kind of a median kind of dividing it because it was a bridge that I had to kind of go over. There were these big orange and white reflective barricades there to let you know to veer slightly to the right so you didn't hit the cement median as you went onto the bridge. I could see it off in the distance, maybe about a quarter of a mile or so as I drove towards it. I had been on it many times before. I was tired. I was thinking about how fun I had the night, how much fun I had the night before. I was thinking about how good it was going to feel just to get home, get in bed, and get a little bit of sleep. I remember blinking. Then I remember the sound of something slapping the front of my car. I kind of opened my eyes and I saw the orange and white sandfield canisters flying over the hood of my car just as I slammed into that cement median. I remember seeing the hood of the car compress and come towards the windshield just as I slammed into there and I hit the median and the car turned backwards and then slammed into the side of the rail of the bridge, seeming almost about to fall over the side of the bridge. Maybe about a 100-foot drop down into the bridge. Stopped right there, just short of flying over the side. 
But as I climbed out of that wreckage and attempt to wrap my mind around what had just happened, I found out then that falling asleep can be a fatal mistake if done at the wrong time. Look at your neighbor and say, stay woke. Stay woke. Which brings us to the evening of our texts in Troas and a young man named Eutychus. Paul was exhorting and preaching what I am sure was a masterful sermon and testimony on a warm Mediterranean midnight in a hot, stuffy, and crowded candlelit apartment. A young man named Eutychus, who was sitting on the outskirts of the group near the back of the crowd in a windowsill to get some air because it was very stuffy, no air condition. I'm pretty sure they weren't too big on deodorant back there in the ancient world. Was sitting there in a windowsill to get some air, drifted off to sleep, and fell backwards out of the window and slammed into the ground three stories down where he was sitting and he was pronounced and taken up as dead by those who were at the meeting. The text says Paul then stopped preaching, went down, fell on him, and embracing him said, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. And this part got by me the first time I read this account. Then Paul got up and went to break bread and to eat. And it says he spoke for another long while until daybreak. And then he left for his next destination. Right after that, Eutychus came into where they were, and everyone was relieved. Eutychus falls down. He runs down there, lays on him, prays on him, says, you know, it's all right. Life is still in him. Goes back inside, gets something to eat, and then talks for another five hours, <laughs> and then leaves. And then Eutychus comes in. Now, this text calls out to me in two ways. In one way, it resonates with me as an analogy as to how it seems like there are so many in our culture that seem to be falling asleep and falling away from God and the church in these times. They're now questioning the traditional role of church and religion in our society. Every day we're hearing about another attack or another scandal in the church so people no longer want to trust, trust religion, the church, or the minister. They like to say, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. In fact, more people now claim to be atheists than ever before in the life of this nation. Now, from a cultural standpoint, it could be said that we are living in some very strange times. It would seem that up is now down, and down 
is now up, that what used to be wrong now seems to be right, and what used to be right is now wrong. No one wants to be told what's wrong or right. No one wants to be told what to do. No one wants to be corrected, at least not from us. All of the traditional institutions and pillars that we relied on to form our perspectives on the world have come under attack now. Every day we're hearing about another political scandal so we no longer trust the politician or the process. People have taken on a cynical view of the traditional roles of marriage and family and even gender. Hmm. Moral relativism, which is the idea that there are no absolute rules to determine whether something is right or wrong, is at an all-time high. Well, under that standard, there's no such thing as morality or justice. There's no room for compassion. And like in those chaotic days of the Old Testament for a time, everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. The world seems to have come to a point where it believes in nothing. While at the same time, our culture has adopted this strange, false sense of righteous indignation through what is now called cancel culture. They don't want the church to tell them what to do, but they want to dictate whose career they can end at any moment if they get offended. They like to get upset, righteously indignant. It's hypocrisy. But even outside the challenges of our culture, the nature of our individual lives in this world keeps us so caught up in what's going on around us that we can't even focus on the things of God on the things that matter. Every day we deal with issues on our jobs, in our homes, in our families. We deal with issues in our relationships that seem to conspire to monopolize our attention, our focus, and our thought space. These things are happening on a consistent basis every day. Sooner or later, you realize that it's been days since you've thought about your spirit. It's been days since you've prayed with and communed with God. And that's only when you get in a situation that makes you have to pray. Now, in the word, the word sleep in our spiritual lives is clearly associated with falling into sin and away from Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 to 8, it reads, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. And also in Luke 22 and 46, it reads, Then he said to them, 
Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. He wanted them to stay awake. Now, it's easy to let our minds and focus drift and to lose our guard against temptation. And it's easy to fall away with disastrous consequences. We could end up sleepwalking right off the path that Christ has us on. It can happen before you even realize that you have fallen asleep. Sleep can creep up, creep up on us, especially if we are in an atmosphere that encourages you to fall asleep. It encourages you just to zone out and just look at the screen, not even knowing what's going on around you. It encourages you to do that or zone out, or if you're in a state of mind of fatigue uh, that leads to sleep, just like the third floor of that apartment in Troas was low in physical oxygen, a life low in spiritual oxygen is a life lived in the absence of prayer. A life lived in the absence of the word of God is a life that is low in spiritual oxygen and it will leave you spiritually lightheaded and drowsy. Look at your neighbor and say, stay woke. If we find ourselves drifting off, we need to find oxygen, spiritual oxygen. We need to seek the Lord's presence, his, his will and his word. We also need to find a brother or a sister to be alongside us to pray with us, to help us stay awake. But more than anything, we need to lean in and get in the middle of God's presence and will for our lives. You see, it's much easier to fall asleep and fall away and slide back or backslide when you're not in the place that God wants you to be. If we allow ourselves to fall asleep spiritually, then just like Eutychus, we may find ourselves falling to our deaths. I realize I'm going to have to keep this moving quickly unless somebody might fall asleep up in here. Because then bright lights, you know, can just kind of have you. Yeah. But the only way for us to really truly, fully come to God's purpose in our lives is for us to get as close as we can to the center of God's will, not by hanging out around the perimeter. You've got to be all in. You've got to stay awake. You can't let the things of this world make you drift off and fall away. Now, I know they've taken to using the term stay woke nowadays to signify that you have a deeper understanding about what's going on in the world, but they have gotten it completely wrong. It's become very convoluted and perverse now. But what I'm talking about is being fully awake in the truest sense. I'm talking about being truly awake to who God is in your life. I'm talking about being truly awake for God's will, to God's will 
in your life. I'm talking about being fully awake to your true purpose. Again, God has put something beautiful and special and great inside of each and every one of you here in the building, inside of each and every one of you online. He has put greatness and purpose inside of you. And it's our job to help you pull it out and connect you with your source. The safest place in the world is in God's purpose and will for your life. You can be in the middle of a battlefield, but the safest place in the world is in God's purpose and will for your life. The safest place in the world is in your yes. There's promotion in your yes. There is freedom in your yes. There is power in your yes. Somebody in here say yes. Now let's give him praise on today. Hallelujah. Now that's one way the text is speaking to me. The other way this text is speaking to me outside of all of the activity and the miracle that happened there is that it made me speak about, think about Eutychus and all of our young people, in fact. You see, when we usually look at this text and think about the miracle that happened in general, we usually focus on Paul and what he did. But the more I look at this and read about the text, the more I think about young Eutychus. I think about how many of our young people like Eutychus have fallen away. But unlike Eutychus, no one was there to hug them and say, it's okay, there is still life within them. There's no one there to bring them back to life and bring them back into the gathering. Our young people are facing challenges today that those of us who are a little older never could have imagined when we were growing up. Things are being taught in our children's schools that would make my grandparents turn over in their graves if they could see what was being forced on our children. Our children are in danger of falling away, falling to their death. And they're in danger not only because of what's going on out there, but because I fear that we've become too comfortable letting them hang around the outskirts of the gathering. This might be a little bit hard, so bear with your pastor. West Angeles, the question I have to ask is this. Have we made it easy for Eutychus to fall away because of where he was positioned? Have we marginalized him and pushed him to the outer edges of our happenings, making it easy for him to fall asleep and fall away? I wonder if we as a church culture become so comfortable looking at ministry to our young people as something far removed from the main ministry of the church and looking at, it as, looking at it as something that our kids and our young people do off to the side to keep from being bored while we, the grown folks, and the parents move to the front and the center closest to the move of God. 
I wonder if we are pushing them towards the window. Have we let the fact that they dress a little different than we did and listen to music that's a little different than the music that we grew up with cause us to look down and look upon our young people like they are from another planet? You see, when Eutychus fell out of that window, Paul actually stopped what he was doing. He stopped the message and went down to pray for and minister to Eutychus. He didn't just keep going like nothing had happened. He fell upon him. He healed him. He prayed for him. He brought him back to life. Oh, let's give the Lord some praise on today. Mm. You see, while our young people are off to the side and to the back, the world is focusing all of its efforts and strategy at our young people. While we're not looking at our young people, the world is thinking only about our young people. It seems like the world's plan is to continue pushing and pushing their agenda no matter how insane it is on our young people. Hoping that they will eventually wear our young people down and come to think the way they do while those of us who resist them become seen as out of touch and out of date and eventually die off. They're like, don't worry, y'all going to die off soon, and then we will have your kids. All we have to do is still keep talking that craziness and don't stop. Because y'all, y'all are only going to live for so long. But we have to get more involved, West Angeles. We have to get more informed. We have to participate more as parents in letting our children know the word of God, letting our children know how to see things correctly. We need to bring them in closer. While I was on safari, we would go on our missions trips, we know, with Save Africa's children, and as a break time, Bishop, in his wisdom, allowed us to see the wild. And while on safari, I would... I saw how herds of water buffalo would put their young in the center of the herd when a lion started hunting. They would form an outward ring, an outward-facing ring to protect them when the predators attacked. Let me let you know, no matter how ferocious a lion is, a lion and a pride cannot stand up against a line of water buffalo who are determined to protect their children. But they would grab their children and they would grab the calves and they would put the calves in the middle of the ring while the males and the bulls would stand facing the threat and form a ring outside of the children so the children would be protected no matter what direction the enemy came from. We've let our young fade to the outskirts of the herd. We've let our young face and hang out on the perimeter at the windowsill while we, the grown folk, get up front and center. Then we wonder why our young people are falling away. We wonder why our young people are being snatched away. I know it is a hard pill to swallow, 
but I can offer you that pill because I'm the pastor. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord gave me this word, and I'm going to lay it out. And I know it was a tough word to have to give. I know it was. I know last week everybody was praying, Lord. It was a great message, but I knew this week I had to give a real word. Our young need to be kept right up front, right in the center so we can surround them with love and guidance and protection and correction. We need to get them more involved in worship. We need to help them find their purpose. We have to instill in our young people a desire to pursue meaning, relevance, and destiny. But first, we have to pursue those things for ourselves. We got to make sure that we're not about to fall out of the window ourselves. Just like our parents didn't always understand or agree with the way that we expressed ourselves, because Lady May and Bishop was not down with the music that I was listening to. They were not down with the way that I was wearing my pants. They was not down with the slang that we used back then. Just like our parents didn't always understand or agree with the way that we expressed ourselves, we have to understand that even though we might not agree with every way our young people express themselves, that God has put something inside of them. And we need to bring them close. We need to listen as well as guide. You see, I used to be Eutychus. I used to sit further back. In, I know somebody over there say, yes, he did. <laughs> see, be careful preaching around people who know you, see, who know your story, see. I used to sit further back in service. I didn't want to be too close. I used to think that it was too stuffy and I needed air. I didn't want it to seem like I could not have my own identity, so I hung back closer to the window. I mean, you can still see what's going on up front, but it's a whole lot of other stuff to see and get into when you're hanging around towards the back. How you doing, sister? How you doing? Praise the Lord. Hey, hey. Bishop up there preaching up front, and I'm back in the back. Hey, how y'all doing? Where are we going? Yeah, I see him. Oh, yeah, you can see what's going on up front, but when you're hanging out in the back, there's a whole lot of other stuff that you can see. But I did that not knowing that the only way I was going to have any identity ultimately was in Christ. They're trying so hard not to be like people who are in church and not to be like everybody else, but they actually find themselves acting like everybody else out there in the world. I found out that the only way that I was going to find my purpose was to get as close in as possible, as close in as I could get to the presence of the Lord. I learned later, like young Eutychus, that it's always easier to fall away when you're far from the center, on the outskirts. I can only give the Lord praise that even though I may have fallen away, that he was able to bring me back. That he was able to give me life, that there was still life within me. 
And some of y'all may not know, I had fallen far, far, far away. But never forget that it was once you that stood in need of prayer. Never forget. That is something that we should want for all of us, especially our young people, that every person would come to know the love that brought you out of what you used to be into. Don't try to act like he ain't never brought you through nothing. Everybody here remembers back in the day. And just in case you forgot, I'm here to let you know that you used to have a back in the day, back when you was doing whatever, whenever, with whoever. Don't try to act like you've never been in back in the day before. He has so much love to go around. It runs deeper than we ever could imagine. Even though you may have fallen away, he can bring you back. You can be truly awake in a way that you could never imagine. You could see things in life that you did not even know existed because you are truly awake. Psalms 138:7 Though I walk in the midst of trouble you will revive me you will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me Romans 8:28 and, and we know that all things all things all things work together for the good of those that love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Let me tell you, everything that you've gone through, every mistake that you've made in your life, every time that you have fallen away and fallen down as dead will begin to work for your good when you become awake to his will for your life. Even the bad decisions you've made, you will understand and understand that God was bringing you along in his process. That he even used your falling away to bring someone closer to him and to bring glory to his life. Ephesians 2 and 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even though we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Acts 2 and 21, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter what people say about you. If you've fallen asleep or fallen away, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what your reputation is in the streets. It doesn't matter that people may have even looked down on you and are looking down on you from the window that you just fell out of. What really matters is that Jesus wants to spend some time with you. What really matters is that there is still life within you. He loves you more than you can imagine. 
Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And then down to 48, down to verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise if you're ready to come closer. Closer in your relationships. Give the Lord praise if you're ready to come closer in your finances. Give the Lord praise if you're ready to come closer to your purpose. Closer in your future. Give the Lord praise if you are ready to come closer to his will and his purpose for your life. Oh, somebody give the Lord praise on today. Hallelujah. Everyone standing. I'm done. I've preached too long already. Everyone standing. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just worship him for a second. Let's just give him praise for a moment. Someone just worship him. Hallelujah. Oh, come on now. Let's fill this place with the sound of worship. Worship him with the fruit of your lips. Worship him with the sound of your clapping. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. someone know that you don't have to stay where you are fallen taken up as dead you can be closer there is still life within you everyone bow your heads and close your eyes this is just between you and the Lord our heavenly father can lift you up you may have fallen. Life may have tried to keep you down, but there is still life in you. Christ came all the way from heaven down to pick us up if we have fallen away. There may be someone here under the sound of my voice who in your body you may be alive, breathing and moving from day to day, but you're not really living. You've 
fallen and you've been taken up as dead, dead in your past, dead because of what you've done, dead from what life and the world has done to you, but Jesus came so that we would have life and life everlasting. You don't have to just exist. But you can be truly alive. You can truly live. You can be truly awake. God has a plan and a purpose for your life that is so much more than what your past and experience have said about who you are. All you have to do is reach out and take hold of it. It's right there before you. If you want to come closer to that purpose, if you want more, then beloved, come on down to this altar. Come down. We want to pray with you. We want to stand with you. Even if you are already saved and you're facing a dead situation or you want to get even closer into God's will for your life, closer to your purpose, come down. We want to pray with you too. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to wonder what you're going down there. What did he do? What did she do? What is she seeking the face of the Lord for? If someone is thinking that, then whoever's thinking that needs to be down here too. Because you are living outside of your purpose, wondering about what's going on with somebody else. We want to pray with you too. In fact, at this time, I need all of our young people to come down here to the altar. All of our elementary school students, all of our middle school students, all of our high school students, if you're on your way back to school, if you are a young person, come on down here. We need to pray with you. We want to cover you. We want to stand with you. We want to surround you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. If you need to, parents, come and stand with your children. Come on, come on and stand with them. It's okay. Oh, they're still coming. They're still coming. They're still coming. For he. Come on, beloved, there's room, there's room. Hallelujah. to make room for our young people. Hello, my lady. Lady Dawn, Sister Dawn, Sister Dawn, we can move them, we can let them come all the way around here. Come on, we need to make room for our young people. Y'all keep singing now. 
we definitely need to make more room for our young people. talking about after praise and worship is because I see the plight that our young people are going through. I have stared straight into the eye of the enemy that seeks to steal our children away. And like the brethren sang out earlier, this means war. This means war. You cannot have our children. We won't have it. Who do you think you are? And we're going to be continuing to come together with parents, coming, continuing to come together to look for ways that we can prayerfully, appropriately stand against the powers of the enemy that is trying to steal our children. Because we're going to do more than just come together and pray about it. We're going to work it out. So we commit to you that we're going to stand with you as parents. My children are with their mama right over there. But we're going to commit to stand with you. We're going to figure it out because God has already given us the victory on this morning. So let us pray. Again, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Lord, we thank you for these that have come forward to get closer to you, closer to your purpose, closer to your power. We pray that as they get closer to you, that they would come to truly become fully awake to who you are in them. Lord God, we pray for our young people today. We pray that you would cover them with your presence. We pray that you would protect their minds. Lord, you have put greatness and promise inside of them. And the world is seeking to snuff it out and take it away. But Lord, we pray that as they continue to go out into and deal with the world, that you would show them who they are in your eyes. We pray that you would show them that they are not alone. We pray that you would give them power. We pray that you would protect them, protect their spirits, protect their minds. We bind the power of the enemy that is coming to take their minds. 
Father God, let them know that you are with them wherever they may go. In the name of Jesus, remind them that there is a whole church of people that are praying for them, that believe in them, that are telling them that they can do it, that they can make it, that they are not alone. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, now we pray now for those that are now ready to come closer to you. Those who stand here even with these children who are ready to give their lives to you. Please, beloved, please repeat after me. Dear precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we believe that he came down to die for our sins. And we believe that he rose up again on the third day. And we now ask that he come into our hearts. That he be a part of our lives. And we ask that he forgive us for the wrong that we have done. Please forgive us for the wrong that we have been. We accept him to into our hearts right now. And we accept his power. We accept his love. We accept his grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Oh, let's give the Lord praise. Let's rejoice before him now.